Go, New York! Go, New York! Go! What is going on with our New York Knicks? The Knicks beat the Hawks in a thriller and are now 4-3 and three on the season. This team is fun, and they have become must-watch basketball every night. We'll talk about the quickly-rivers combo, the Tibbs impact, and Randall playing like an all-star. We'll also chat with another one of JYD's former teammates, and a Knicks guard that made the playoffs back in 2004. It's Moochie Norris joining us on the Big Apple Buckets podcast. All that and more next on a Knicks are over 500 edition of Big Apple Buckets from the New York Post. Welcome back to Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Sal Licata, alongside my co-host, former Knicks and NBA big man, Jerome the Junkyard Dog Williams. <laughs> New episodes of the podcast drop every Tuesday afternoon. Subscribe to Big Apple Buckets on Apple Podcasts. Go in there and please give us a five-star rating and write a nice review. If you're not an Apple user, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, or Amazon. You could also call into our Big Apple Buckets voicemail. Leave your questions and comments for us. The number is 973-988-3923. Or you can leave us an email at BigAppleBucketsPod at gmail.com. JYD, we finally, I mean, the Knicks are coming off a four-game road trip when we last left. I was thinking, all right, maybe they could win against Cleveland. And they come off the road trip three and one. They finally are a team that New York City can be proud of. Come on, man. Let's just put our hands together for Coach Tom Tibbs. Let's just put our hands together. This man is doing what needs to be done. He's bringing defense back to the garden, back to the city. Defense wins. That's what it's all about. I'm I'm, I'm so excited just because these games that they played over the course of these last two playoff teams, these are playoff contenders that are looking at Atlanta and Indiana and seeing, you know, these are these are quality wins. These aren't teams that are tanking. To have them come off this road trip, winning three of the four, beating the teams, as you mentioned, Indiana and Atlanta, is nothing short of shocking. And it's less even about the result and more about how they're doing it. This team, and, and look, honestly, it's been tough to watch for the last 15, 20 years, if not impossible to watch because they never had an identity. They didn't play as a team. They didn't play defense. This team, JYD, the complete opposite. One of my New Year's resolutions was to not get overly excited about the beginning of the next season. You know what? Forget that resolution. I'm excited because of how they're doing it. They finally play defense and play hard and play with passion. They play as a team, excellent ball movement, spacing. They play together, and they have an identity that is obvious when you're watching this team play night in, night out. Hey, I haven't – I don't even remember the last Knicks team that averaged close to 24 assists a game. You know, the, the going rate in the NBA is a team that's averaging 25, 26 assists a game is a playoff team. That's an upper echelon, mid to upper tier playoff team and they're averaging 23.4 assists a game that tells me team basketball people are touching it and and the ball is moving from one side to the other and the nba that's winning basketball so tibbs is is executing his game plan he has 
the leaders of the team buy in. And sky's the limit at this point. I mean, at this point, you can you can clearly see just over the first few games that if this recipe continues, they're going to be able to weather some storms. And, you know, any team that's, you know, that's new, that has young players, you're going to have ups and downs during the season. And I'm sure we'll see them. But, you know, winning four out of your last five games, that's positive early on in the season. You look, you might look for that later on, like, you know, closer to all-star where some teams aren't, you know, some teams make a run and whatnot. You say, oh, you know, the Knicks won four out of five. But in the beginning, that's huge. I'm just wondering as I watch these games, is this sustainable, right? So there's a couple of different levels to it. The defense, which their plan is to obviously guard the threes in a league now where three-point shooting is at an all-time high, except for the Knicks themselves, which I like. But they want to guard the three. They obviously want to play tough defense. And offensively, it's basically attack the rim and get open looks from three. You don't have to shoot 30 threes or 40, for that matter. Shoot 15 to 20, but knock down as many as you possibly can with open looks, the quality shots, the more quality shots you take, the more they'll go in. But I'm thinking of it, JYD, from a perspective, okay, Monday night against the Hawks is going to be a good test because the Hawks are one of those teams that are just going to come up and down and shoot threes. They got athletic players. They got stars. I didn't think there was any chance the Knicks couldn't compete. And then they did in the first half, but then they get down 15 in the third. And you're thinking, all right, still a good road trip. They win at Cleveland. They win at Indiana, but obviously the Hawks are just too much. And then they come back and they do it defensively against that team. They're the complete opposite of the Hawks. They play defense. They don't just go up there and shoot threes left and right. And their style one. Can that work over the long haul? Is that sustainable? I believe it is because to your point, they're going to the cup. They're putting pressure on the opposing defense. And when you do that, good things happen if you're not just going in there reckless and abandoned and just throwing up anything. You're actually going in there with a purpose. I'm going to drive and kick and get an open look for someone else. And if you look at their overall three-point percentage, they're averaging 37% from three. Well, no one thought that they were going to average 37% from three early on. This past game, they shot 50% from the field and above 40% from three. Their recipe for success is exactly what you said. Use that athleticism, play great defense on offense, let's put the pressure back on them. Julius Randle, I remember watching him in high school, and I said to myself, this is a kid that can go. You know, I wanted him to play for me at Finley Prep, and I remember him and Wiggins going head-to-head out here in Las Vegas, and Julius was just the ultimate bully. We just knew he was going to be the next, you know, LeBron James type of a player with his physicality, which is a, with his ability to drive left, the strength that he had going to the basket. And now I'm seeing that that player. I'm seeing that player that was in high school that was so dominant, but was multifaceted. He was scorer. He was assist playmaker and he was a rebounder. Like I'm seeing that now and I'm giving credit to Tibbs. Because you can hear it in, in Julius's comments after the game, talking about the leadership, talking about the game plan. 
I think this is going to change his career. I'm feeling like he's bought into this coach. He's he's saying to himself, he's going to take me to the promised land. All I have to do is execute. And he's been executing. He's a different player. He's a different, different player. player. He's always been, he's always had the athletic ability and he's always been a solid player. Okay, he could score, but he does. He's a different player now, the way that he attacks the rim and kicks out and actively looking for the open man. And obviously we know what he could do scoring. How about defense and playing with passion? He had a rebound on Monday night against the Hawks that it was late in the game. I think it was after, I don't know if it was Mitchell Robinson blocked, uh, whoever it was, but Randall comes down with a rebound and kind of a move like JYD would make out there, grabbing that rebound ferociously, swinging those elbows. He cares. He's playing with passion. That is not so. And they're fighting for each other as a team overall, led by Julius Randle, who has that star power. That's not something, JYD, that I've seen in Julius Randle prior to this year. No, we haven't seen it. And that's the thing. If he can be that type of player and that type of leader, these young guys are going to follow. Why? Because he's a bully mentality. He's a bully type of a player. Players get behind bullies. Why? Because if you get in a fight, you need a bully with you. That's just the way it works. And that's why New York had Oak. They had Dog Pound Me. They had Kurt Thomas. Mm. They had Anthony Mason. They had Larry Johnson. I mean, just dudes that you just, you got to think about if you're going to get rough with, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that was our MO. Like, they're like, before we tangle with the junkyard, we're going to think. We're not just going to rush into it because we might get into a dog fight we don't want to be in, right? So that's, that's what you have with Julius Randle. That's what I love because people, players, everybody, cities get behind bullies long as you, Give us that consistency every night. Now, bully can't be a bully one night and a wimp the next because that's not the definition of a bully. Bully has to be full-time. That's a full-time job. It's a full-time commitment. Let's get it. And we'll get into – I want to get into quickly in a second here. But just to sum up what we're saying, it, it this city loves that, okay? We we grew up that, – that's hard-nosed, old-school, physical basketball. And not even about throwing elbows or, you know, knocking guys down when they come to the lane – just playing hard with passion, with a purpose at both ends of the floor, and they respect possessions. That is something that in today's NBA does not happen. The possessions are not respected. Guys dribble up, they shoot from half court or all over the place. They're not playing any defense. The Knicks are a rare breed in today's NBA now with Thibodeau. They're respecting possessions and playing hard together. And I think the city's falling in love with the city. I know it's early, and I know it may sound nuts, and Sal, you're overreacting as usual, but there's a difference here. It's not just about the record. This is not them getting hot, hitting 60% of threes one night, getting a, an aberration of a win. That's the Hawks. The Knicks are the opposite. They're doing it the right way, the hard way. And I think this city and this fan base is really going to get behind this team because of the way that they play. Let me just give you, like, this is where I got to get with, where, where's Jake at? I got to get with Jake. This is why this podcast is so hot. And New York, just New York in general is, you know, going crazy about this Big Apple Buckets. All right? This needs to be on TV. We need this on mainstream so they can see my face right now. They need to see dog pound eyelids. Because Julius Randle, right, you just said, you know, he's not throwing elbows in this. No, bullies, we don't need to throw elbows. All we need to do is give you this look. And that's why we need to be on TV right now so they can see my eyes. Didn't have to throw an elbow. They got to see your teeth. Your teeth are whiter than Casper on a winter morning, bro. Look at him like, bro, do you really want to go there? Like, that's what this, this, that's what the bullies do. That's what Julius Randle brings. He brings those eyes, man. The eyes tell it all. Like, look, do you really want to get 
into this type of right. friction. He he wants it, and that's relatable to the fans because we haven't had a team here in New York that has wanted it in. I I, I can't. I mean, it's been. 15, 20 years at least. Now I talk about the Knicks not having, you know, the star power of the Hawks and you're watching that game thinking, all right, they're down 15. There's only so much you can do, right? There's only so far this group can go. And then Emmanuel quickly comes into the game. And I know that Alfred Payton, he's been solid. He's a solid point guard. I love that he is also fearless attacking the rim, but he's, but quickly takes them to the next level. And I think Thibodeau saw that. He's in the game. He finishes it out. It was a difference. He came in the game. All of a sudden, everything changed. When you when you throw out Randall and R.J. Barrett scoring, getting to the rim, even though his shot's inconsistent, and then quickly, now you're taking him to another level. Talk about the play. of And he's been hurt. He's a rookie, obviously, limited training camp and all that. Quickly, he's a player, JYD. They have a player here. They got a player, man. They got a future. When you have a future, you can get excited. Right. One thing about quickly I love is that he goes right in and he's to the point, you know, 19 minutes, 16 points. I mean, what else needs to be said? He knows his role. He's coming in like, look, I'm getting ready to give you buckets really quick, really fast. And it's just going to come in a wave. And that's what he is. He's a strong wave of energy, getting the ball moving fast and, and getting the team to move faster. And that's that's something that's positive. It's gonna it's gonna keep building as his confidence builds. Now, the other thing is you mentioned RJ. Now I was gonna go back to RJ. The one thing I like about the last game is that you know, year two, you usually don't see too many year two players start flexing, right? You don't see too much flexation in year two. Usually it's about year three. They, you know, they get like, okay, I'm I'm feeling myself, I'm feeling like I'm comfortable. He dunked it two hands off the bird and gave the flex. Like, there's more of this coming. That got dog pound attention. I was like, okay, okay, this, this is what he's doing right now. This is what he's doing. Okay, RJ, you got to keep this up. This is where the rubber meets the road. You keep doing this, people are going to take notice. And that's what I did. I took notice of that. RJ Barrett's a man. I mean, he's mature. That's it. The shot's inconsistent and it drives you nuts sometimes because he's just way off, which makes you think that it's clearly mental with him. It's one thing to miss these shots, but another throw up air balls or just hit the you know bottom of the backboard. So he'll work on that, but he is confident. He is mature. And this team will go as far as Randall, Barrett, and quickly are going to take them. Now they have solid role players. And by the way, we haven't even mentioned Toppin, who's been out. Right, right. Since, since game one, he was supposed to be the, the rookie star. He's yep. been out. Alec Burks, who's been one of their better players, obviously, you know, the time, the limited time that he's been out there, he's been out. Bullock, a good role player. Mitchell Robinson in the paint, even Nerlens Noel defensively. They have guys contributing in many different rivers. I mean, we should mention Austin Rivers, who hits big shots, plays defense. They mm-hmm. have role players, JYD, doing their job as well. But obviously, Randall, Barrett, quickly, those are the three stars that if they play consistently, this team is going to go places. And you know there's going to be runs. There's going to be, you know, ups and downs. But to your point, that's the key. It's like you got to have a solid core plus a nice stockpile of role players. And I'm looking at this roster saying to myself, listen, there's a stockpile of role players that are also looking at this as, you know what, when I get my opportunity, I have to be ready. Like, take Dennis Smith Jr. Last game, I mean, one of his games, he comes in, and he's ready. He's not, like, discouraged. He's not 
like, oh, woe is me. He's like, no, I got to be ready to contribute. I got to be ready to be a part of this team. You know, Nerland Noel, like you mentioned, I got to be ready. I got to be, I got to be here for the team. I got to, you know, really come with what I have to contribute. And that's what I see as a positive. Austin Rivers doesn't play the first few games. You know, last two games, he's contributing in the fourth quarter. So that's telling me Tibbs has a bond with him and he has trust in him. He took a charge, you know, in that Mm -hmm. fourth quarter that was big down the stretch. Those things are huge. And I see the little things that are positive. Guys, on Austin Rivers, a couple of things. One, you got to factor in the guy barely practiced with the team either. He was hurt and it was only doing two-on-two drills. So he's coming and making an impact without practice. And number two, Leon Rose and company deserve so much credit. This guy's getting paid $3.5 million. In comparison, I tweeted this last night, Tyler Johnson who remember the Nets were all in an offer sheet. This guy got paid $20 million from the Sun. Similar point guard, shooting guard position. He got $20 million. Austin Rivers getting three and a half. Austin Rivers, I mean, the Knicks shopped at Marshalls and are ending up with a Gucci product here. That is a <laughs> tremendous signing for that price. And you know what I like even more than the numbers, Producer Jake? I love his attitude. Yeah. I mean, I, he's, he's a leader. He says all the right things. And the Knicks have not only... Thibodeau, who puts everything in place, right? It starts with him getting the guys to buy in. He has a system, gets the guys to play together, and then they're doing it. But Barrett, Randall, Rivers, quickly, these guys have the right mentality and the right desire and priorities in order as far as even Bullock, who's tweeting out, you know what? We don't want any of that nonsense. You guys said we weren't going to be anything. We're going to show you. They care. Sometimes that's half the battle, JYD. We just want you guys to care, and this team gives a damn. Therefore, this city is going to be into them, and the results are there. The results are there, man. Numbers don't lie. When you look at the numbers, I'm a numbers guy. They're averaging 103 points a game. They're shooting 45% from the field. Look at the rebounding. Mm -hmm. Look at the – they've won the rebounding battle in their last four games. That's telling me like I, I was I was in Arizona this weekend. Right. My son, he's 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 playing in the the made made hoops gauntlet as a fifth grader. And I'm saying to myself, look, you're going up against sixth, seventh and eighth grader, son. You got to get into the fight. How do you get into the fight? You go in there and grab us a rebound. Can you do that, son? That's what I'm seeing from the Knicks right now. They're getting in the fight and they're winning it every night. If you win the fight, even if you lose. Right. But, you know, you won that rebounding war. I can tell you, over the long haul, it's going to pay dividends. It's going to pay dividends for us, too, because we're 26 wins away from a steak dinner, courtesy of JYD. Thank you. Oh, that's happening. Come they're on winning now. 30. I mean, Come JYD, on now. You, know, you know they're winning 30. Now it's a matter of are they going to be you know, in contention for a playoff spot. And the way that they're playing right now, uh, you know, again, long way to go. I understand I'm, that. But if you look at the last four, JYD, I would have thought they, all right, maybe they beat Cleveland and that's it. And coming off that road trip three and four, now you look ahead to the week ahead, Utah, who's, you know, Utah's a good basketball team, no question about it, but they're at home. It's at the Garden. OKC at the Garden. OKC struggling to start the year two and four. Denver, surprisingly, two and four to start the year, also at home on Sunday. And then at Charlotte, who's two and five, struggling to start the year. These are winnable games. I mean, either the Knicks go two and two, 500. Uh, a, a 500 pace is much more than most people would have thought. And that's going to be good enough to get a playoff spot in the East. No, absolutely. And the whole thing is these games are winnable. You talk about that Cleveland game. Cleveland was three and oh, it wasn't like they were hot. Us stopping that ship was also big. That told me a lot because I'm like, wow, you know, they're, they're beating teams that are kind of, they had some fire underneath of them. So 
moving into teams that, you know, particularly are winnable games. It's called don't get ahead of yourself, but it's also laying that foundation. The foundation for the playoffs are are being laid here. And now I got to kind of flip to the other side, right? I'm trying to get above sizzlers. We're trying <laughs> to get that quality steak. I want to get a quality steak. Cause I, you know, if I'm taking you, you know, I actually don't, I, I, I mean, I want to kind of like take advantage of New York. I mean, and, and, and I know a lot of good steak places as my man, Jake mentioned last week. And, and, and you did mention one or two, Sal. But, right, we got to start off with just, can we get the Sizzlers? Come on. Well, we don't even have it. We don't have a Sizzlers in New York, so that's not even an option if you're coming here. So we're doing it much and, bigger than Sizzlers. And they're better. <laughs> look, they're better than Sizzlers. This is a strip house. This is a quality meets. I mean, you mentioned Smith and Lewinsky. This is where we're going. I mean, if the Knicks can win over 30 games and get in the playoffs, we got to up, uh, up the quality there a little bit. All right, coming up, we'll play Name That Teammate with JYD and have some fun reliving some of his playing days. Also talk to Moochie Norris. But next on Big Apple Buckets, Name That Teammate with JYD and associate producer Alex Camarada. See what he has for him. That's coming up next. Let's get it, Alex. <laughs> All right, JYD, I'm taking you back. You played with this man in the 1999-2000 season. He was a former UNC shooting guard from Kinston, North Carolina. He played for eight different teams over 19 years. Who was this two-time All-Star that you played with, JYD? If we were on TV and they'd see your eyes right Man. now, JYD. <laughs> North Carolina. This is a good start, I think, moving forward. We got him a little stumped. He's thinking Man, about 2000, 1999, so it's either, ah, See, let's see here. All right, what team were you on first that year? Let's start. He with was that. on the Detroit. Well, in 1999, I was on two teams. Well, this- I was on the Pistons, and I was on the Raptors. You were teammates in Detroit with him on the Pistons. On the Pistons, okay. So if it was the Pistons, ah, man. I want to give you another hint, but I don't know if I'm going to give it away. So yeah, that might be a little too much. I'm going to go. All right, is it Stackhouse? Stack, you got it. Dad, see it's Stack. I knew I was like, is it Stack? It could be Jerry Stackhouse. Shout out. Look, I'm just gonna give you a dog, a doghouse. Quick little story about Stack. Look, Stackhouse was with Duke, and we had when in 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 Detroit, Duke and North Carolina, the bloodline there, the you know, the friction, all that stuff, right? We had Christian Leitner on the team. And before that, it was Eric Montross. He was scrapping with everybody. If you had a UNC, it was going to be a, a showdown with Stackhouse somewhere along the line, right, with Duke. Christian Leitner, him and Christian Leitner, man, had to pull them apart. That's right. That's right. It was it was a pull apart. And, and I have to give you the quick version. It was over, a, you know, an extra card in the, in the card deck. I mean, I don't gamble, but somebody had an extra card, right? Who was cheating? Leighton was cheating? I, I wake up. I wake up. And all I hear, you know, all I see is sparks, sparks flying. I'm like, whoa, whoa. JYD, get in there. Come on. Pull them apart. I mean, it was going, man. You didn't bring out a broomstick Woo! this time. You didn't. You didn't go uh, Trevor Ariza on us. No, no, no. They were in. The, they we, we, look. We were thirty thousand feet up in the air on the plane. You know, I'm trying to hang on to my shrimp cocktail. You know that I just dipped. 
like I'm trying to, you know, I'm I'm in my zone of relaxation. I'm getting ready for the next victim. You know, sparks are flying. I'm like, come on, Duke and UNC. Haven't y'all had enough of this? <laughs> Shout out to my man Stack though. Vanderbilt, he's doing it over there. He's recruiting kids. You know, they shook hands and 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 had love two days later. Not within 24 hours, two days. I actually, I actually have a quick stack story as well. We I had Rashawn McLeod, if you remember him, swingman on uh, my podcast like four years ago with CBS. And he told us a story that blew up that Michael Jordan once was singing Anita Baker to, while crossing over Jerry Stackhouse on the court. And the TMZ found Stackhouse at like an airport and they asked him about this. And like he vehemently denies this. But I think it's true. Michael Jordan was a big Anita Baker fan to the point where Anita Baker blocked me on Twitter randomly. I said, thank you. You're welcome for the, <laughs> for the album sales increases. And she, like, was subtweeting me and my co-host, like, oh, like, everyone, this was known already. So I think Michael Jordan would sing Giving You the Best That I Got by Anita Baker while taking Jerry Stackhouse to school. So there you go. Wow. <laughs> That's something new. Something new. I'm about to ask Mike about that. Get the dog pound. You got you Mike know. on dial like that, JYD? You can reach out to, to MJ? Hey, man, everybody's on the dog pound, man. I know. You know, look at this. I love there's, it. There's a serious situation over here. You know, now I'm not saying he's gonna get back to me right away. Let me be honest with my with my friends. You know, Mike might take you two years for him to respond back, but he responds. We'll have him on Big Apple Buckets in 2023. There we go. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> well, we, we go from Jerry Stackhouse from one of JYD's former teammates to another coming up next. We'll talk to Moochie Norris, get his thoughts on the Knicks and relive some of the playing days that he and JYD had when they were together. Of course, that's coming up next on Big Apple Buckets. Salakata, JYD back here on Big Apple Buckets, welcoming in another one of JYD's former teammates, Moochie Norris. Moochie, thanks for taking a couple of minutes to join us this week. What you been up to? What's going on in the post-basketball life for Moochie Norris? Uh, just giving back, man. Enjoying life. Um, just had two more beautiful kids to add to my, you know, to my squad. I uh, got a two-year-old now and a three. Uh, my baby be three months in a few days, so... Other than that, still in the gym, just giving back the gift God gave me. That's it. Now, I must say, you look a little different than the last time I remember seeing you out on the floor, Moochie. You, you don't have you don't have that, <laughs> that big hairdo, the fro that you became famous for out on the court. You're now, you know, like us, bald, shaved, clean head. It's a, it's a great gang, though. It's a great gang. I just switched fraternity. That's, that's all. I still got that. Yeah, everybody everybody can't rock the bald head. You know what I mean? Some people got the craters in there. That, you know, it can't be fixed. Moochie got it nice and smooth. Got it glistening. Like that I Isaac sure too. I made sure before I cut it all off, too. <laughs> so do you keep up with today's NBA, Moochie? Are you watching what's going on with the Knicks here? Is they're off to a red-hot start? It's been like 20 years uh, since they've been good, and now they're off to a great start here? Hey, they overdue. I'm so glad to see it. Um, it's the mecca of basketball. You know, everybody want to play in New York, you know, whether you plan for the Knicks or you, when you just come there to play. So I'm glad that the team, you know, the city actually has something to really get back involved in, you know, and start really supporting, you know, because it's, it's a great place to play. The environment is unbelievable. I think uh, bringing people and the fans back to some of those Moochie Norris moments is big because I can tell you off the pick and roll, I caught a Moochie Norris highlight dunk down the middle because we have been doing this since right after high school in the D.C. area. And Mooch, do you look at the new rookie quickly 
as a potential fire starter, a la Moochie Norris, get the crowd involved type of player? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's what you're looking for uh, from your younger guys. Um, you need that energy. You know, they, they're out there reckless, just playing, um, just trying to uh, do what they can to help a team win. I mean, I think it's important to every team. You need that energy plug. You need that spark plug. It was the same for me when I first stepped on the court until once I transitioned into a veteran, you know, things slowed down and you you pick your spots. But right now, uh, you need that. It's important to each and every team. Yeah, Quigley had had 19, uh, 19 minutes and scored 16 points, but it was Austin Rivers who came in and shot the dagger the last game. Talk about that transition from being a rookie to a veteran in the NBA for you. Um, as a rookie, like you said, I, I came in, they, they pretty much, you know, took the reins off and said, go. <laughs> it's like having your pit bull on a leash and then just letting them go run crazy at the park. And that's what they do with most of the younger guys. They kind of just let them go out there and experience the game and learn it. Uh, the transition for me was exactly that. When I first got in, I was running around crazy. I mean, just playing fast and, you know, just trying to thinking I can get it done. That was the only way to get it done uh, because in college you play with such high energy, 94 feet of basketball and hard as you can every play. Um, in the league, once you transition into your veteran settings, you start picking the game apart, breaking it down and knowing that you don't have to make a play every time. And you're not never you're never in a rush. You're always in control. So that was the, the biggest adjustment I had to make make. Uh, from being a younger guy into a veteran. And then you you know that you're always in the game um, until it's actually over. Unless it's a mat, you know, a straight blowout, you know, those 15, 20 point leads can go in easily in one quarter. How about the difference in today's game, Mucci, where, you know, for me growing up watching the 90s Knicks or yours and JYD's teams, the point guard wasn't as much of a scorer as it has become now. I mean, now it's a guard league. The point guard's got to be big-time scorers. Knicks haven't had that in forever. Maybe they have that with quickly here. But, you know, your style of play may be more traditional point guard. How about the evolution of the point guard position in today's NBA? Um, it's exactly that. Um, back then when I got in, it was about making making plays for the guys around you, making those guys better. Uh, Jerome can contest to that. It was one of the reasons he probably fell in love with me because I could get him that ball at any time and I could make, you know, making the right plays. But at the same time, it was about winning the basketball more important, winning the basketball game more importantly. And I think that's the biggest thing is now all everybody's a score. The NBA is about putting the ball in the hole from the point guard to the center. Um, but you're now your point guards now have a bigger role in the scoring se section of the game. As opposed to when I played, it was just about coming in and getting the ball to your scores, making sure your big man get touches, feeding your guys that's running the break, as opposed to just searching out my own game. I searched out my own my own game only most of the times when the shot clock was going down. Because like I said, I played with Jason Kidd, Awe Johnson, you know, those real true point guards, those John Stockton's, those guys that really were setting the table and getting their guys off before they got their own them uh, got themselves off. You you said you made JYD a scorer. Now I find that hard to believe. I mean, how difficult the challenge was that to get the junkyard dog himself some offense going? <laughs> you, you, know, you know, you know what's crazy is I wish more people could see him in a summer league when he's when he can just be who he who he's been since I met him. But like again, we came in that era where our roles were bigger than the actual 
game or what was going on. You had to become great in your role. And I admire him for that because he had to do the same thing I did. And I think people don't understand that because they look at him like he can't score and they say the same about me. But people that know us and been around us for long times, they know we can put points on the board. It's what we did for a living. It's how we, you know, got on the scene and opened people's eyes that we could, we could really play the game. Let me bring him back, Move. Let me bring him back. See, this is the thing that they don't understand about us dog pound in the trenches cats, right? We come from the high socks era. Mm -hmm. In D.C., Moochie Norris wore his socks high on the playground, in college, in the pros. But back in the day, if you're from D.C., Maryland, the DMV, there is a code of conduct. You cannot wear high socks unless you get in buckets. Absolutely. You cannot Absolutely. wear high socks unless you can cross somebody up and make them fall to the ground and beg for mercy. <laughs> and there's levels to this, okay? I will tell you the Moochie Norris Mortal Kombat finishing move. <laughs> this is where, you know, they say, you know, Mortal Kombat, finish him. It, this is the finish him moment, okay, Sal? Look, this is, what, this is how it went down. Moochie would have the crowd on their feet like after he's done cross the guy, cross the guy, cross the guy, and he's just on skates. He don't know whether to go left, go right. And then Moochie does the most humiliating thing ever to be done on a basketball court. You know what he does? He throws it off the guy's head, hits him square between the eye. The ball bounces back to Moochie, and he hits him with a three and turns around and walks down the court before the ball goes through the net. <laughs> That's the dog pound moment of the day. I, that's the finishing move, okay, that allows you to wear the high socks and people recognize it in the gym. If you come in the gym with high socks in D.C. and you don't have game, they will literally, you know, something bad is going to happen afterwards because they, they, they'll take your socks from you, number one, and you'll be lucky if you don't get jumped. So that's just, that's just the error that we came from. OK, so when people say JYD can't score, you know, I don't even take take it too much into context because I like, yeah, they don't really understand with the levels it takes to get there. Walt Williams, high socks, high socks. He, you know, he was the wizard back in the day for us. Mm -hmm. He was one of our older vets we looked up to. You see him on the court in the playground on the streets. A DC, Maryland, Virginia, you know, it's, it's all about get buckets time. Get buckets. Yeah. You guys grew up playing together in DC. How cool was it then to be reunited in New York, being members of the New York Knicks together oh, as man. teammates? It's probably one of my best years of basketball, just, you know, being able to be around him. It wasn't so much about just the basketball part of it, but because I knew that they wouldn't let us be who we could be as a tandem uh, in a basketball game. But it was cool just to be there and, you know, be with the guy you grew up with, with and went through the struggle with, the long rides to the gym, the, the hours and hours of work, the playing at any and every neighborhood, uh, any summer league game, just trying to let everybody know that we here, like we can play this game and we just want a shot at it. And, you know, once we got together, man, it was just, you know, Ebony and Ivory, man, it was the old peaches and pod. It was, man. <laughs> It, 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 was, it was it was it was long overdue. I mean, it's the, those are the things you dream about. You know, having a chance to play with a guy, be on a team with a guy that you know from back home that y'all have you know war stories about and uh, going to play. It was it was funny, man, because uh, Jerome had sent me a message the other day about the um, the game that we played against Kobe up in New York, man, at Rutgers. And if it wasn't for him, I know I wouldn't have did that game. He was the guy 
him and Greg Jones, those guys called me and it's just like, you know, let's do it. Let's go up there and play. And little did I know Kobe was coming to play that day. So it was a great moment. But yeah, that New York scene with me and Jerome and it was just, it was a, it was a candle on my cake. Get more into that. Either one of you, JYD or Moochie, about that Kobe game uh, at Rutgers. Tell me about that. Yeah, so we got during the summer, it was sort of like, you know, when you come out of the NBA, that was like a breath of fresh air for me and Moochie because it was sort of like going back to your childhood. You could go back to, you know, just playing free, having fun, just no holds barred basketball, the stuff that, you know, the the love of the game that kind of got us there. So during the summer, you know, it's sort of like we call it the circuit for certain players like myself. I'm only playing on the circuit with guys like Moochie. If Moochie's playing, I'm playing. If Moochie's not playing, I'm just going to be working out. I'm going to be, you know, you know, developing my game in the gym, in the lab, doing my skills training and, you know, with my coaches. But that was sort of like my, you know, that was my drug during the summer. If I could play on the circle with Moochie, like I will go to New York. I'll drive to New York. I'll be there and different things. So we get this call. Hey, there's this game in New York and it's such and such team, you know, versus this team. And they didn't tell us who we were playing. They just said, hey, it's just another NBA guy. You know, it's going to be a hyped up game. He's talking trash. Da, 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 da. And, what year no, are we talking here, JYD? What year? Just so we have a reference. Uh, man, that was like 2000. Right 2000 after the championship. That was right after, yeah, right after the championship. That was after the third ring, right? Yeah. So we get the call, right? So I called Moochie. Moochie, you, you know, you want to go to New York? So he's like, yeah. You know, I said, well, the game is at, you know, whatever time it was. This is the same day. Like, we get this call. So we hop in the car, whatever. So we on our way. Meanwhile, I, I think we were at the Lincoln Tunnel when we started getting the calls. Like, where y'all at? We like, man, we on our way. Like, tell them to wait. We don't know it's Kobe. Kobe in the park waiting on us. Like, we don't know it's Kobe, right? They, there's like, you know, NBA guys talking trash, JY. They said, you know, he going to take you and Moochie, blah, blah, blah. We like, man, we get in there and come up there and smack. He don't know nothing about this. You know, <laughs> this this dynamic duo that goes on during the summer that they think is just, you know, oh, these guys don't score. So we we coming up there with a vengeance. We get in the park. The park is packed. That's not unusual. But, you know, we did notice there were some people on the subway tops, rooftops and things like this is reminiscent of like Dr. J. You know, I'm like, OK, I've been you know, we've been to Rucker before. Man, we come in the park and they're like, is Kobe in the park? We like, oh, we. Man, me and Moochie, what do we do? We reach down, right? We pulled our socks all the way up. Like, they were, we were stretching them out. Like, oh, it's that kind of, okay, oh, okay. Let, let, me, let me reach down. And, and, the, and, the, and the worst thing about this game, you know, for me is, you know, the history of it and seeing Kobe and, and now in memory, rest in peace, my brother. But me and Moochie don't have no highlights in that game. I don't. I see, yeah, the, see that you one know the, that all one. this stuff, and they got the interview, and they got the you know everybody throwing back when Kobe. Well, what happened in the game, right? <laughs> did you see? Did you see Junkyard almost rip the whole rim down off of one of Moochie's pass? Did you see that? No, no, no. You just saw Kobe. Shout out to my brother. I love him, but they there was more story to that game, and <laughs> to the point where. You know, the game ended. It's the only Rucker Park game, championship game, that ended in a tie. Ended in wow. a tie. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. How wait a second? How did Kobe accept that? I mean, win or lose, I wouldn't think he want to tie. He wasn't willing. I'll tell you that. He wasn't, he wasn't willing. willing. We weren't willing. But willing. there is a reason why there was NBA cameras there. Yeah. Right? This is all on NBA TV. This is not a regular street ball. This had some monetization attached to it that we weren't a part of, of course, but (laughs) (laughs) we weren't a part of that pay-per-view, but we didn't get any residuals from that, but they were like, we cannot allow you guys to continue to play in the rain. Yeah. You know, it started raining. It started raining and Kobe wanted to play in the rain and everything. We wanted to play in the rain. We like what? Kobe this ain't really nothing. Like, man, I got this skate on. Somebody gonna get dropped with this crossover. I can't yeah. help it if they if it ends their career. Yeah, that's just gonna be the way it is. It's gonna go down rain? at Rucker. <laughs> a rainy crossover couldn't be good. Can't be good. You guard Kobe in the NBA at all? I forget uh, the matchup specifically. I'm assuming you had some um, games against him. You ever guard him in the NBA? Yeah, I got him a couple of times. You know, in those cross matches, you you know, they was playing the triangle back then. But I remember one time just him catching the ball in the mid, like in the, at the top of the triangle at the elbow, just turned around and looked at me and just shook his head. And I was like, oh, yeah, you definitely getting fouled. Uh, you getting fouled. I don't care what move you make, you getting fouled. Like, I will not be on your your moments of basketball. Like, But it was it's just, you know, just out there having a chance to play against him, man. It was just great because me and Jerome, we, we, are, we come out of that draft, that draft class. So Kobe's our guy. Like, he's our, you know, he's our guy. And um, is it tragedy what happened to him? And I miss him. I think about him all the time. I look at all the old, you know, pictures and games I can and stuff like that because he was so big to what the NBA is today and uh, moving forward. Um, I mean, great person, great dad, great friend. I mean, you can't say enough about him, but it was just the, just the honor of being out there playing against him was everything to me. It wasn't so much about the, you know, what happened and everything. It's like when you look back at it, it was just like, you know, I got a chance to play against that guy. Man, one of the all-time greats, no question. And I can't wait to go back and watch this game now. It's on YouTube, Producer Jake. We can watch this game with Moochie and JYD and Kobe Bryant. The whole Rucker Park game, is. there's a link on here on YouTube in the doc, so we have to watch. I still haven't seen the whole game. Every time, everything I pull up, I just keep on seeing Kobe, 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 Kobe. It looks like me and Jerome was just there for like, you know, in the back shots, you'll see Jerome, see me, but you'll never see That's what I want to see. I want to see Moochie and JYD with those high socks putting up some numbers. I want to see it. That's it. We were rocking, we were rocking the headbands. We tie in the back. I mean, it was serious business, these summer league yeah, games. Yeah, summer league man. games off the chain. Apparently, JYD is interviewed in this video as well. Apparently, they interviewed him. So now we got that to watch, too. Oh, yeah. You got you got, got me in a little bit of action. That's it. <laughs> Gucci, one more before we let you go, and we appreciate your time. You were on a team that made the playoffs with the Knicks in 03, 04. Now, I remember being at the game at the Garden after you guys, I'm pretty sure, were down 0-2, losing the first two in New Jersey, then coming back home and Isaiah Thomas. Now, I'm in the Garden as a 90s Knicks fan, right? And this guy is has the audacity to stand there, welcome to the playoffs. Like, it was some great accomplishment. Already down 0-2, you guys end up getting swept. But for your team at that point, the Knicks were out of the playoffs. 
for a couple of years. What was it like being on a Knicks team at Madison Square Garden going against the Nets in the postseason? Uh, it was great. It was great. I mean, you was going up against a great team at that time. Uh, Those boys were pretty good over there in Jersey. So it was just, you know, for me, it was just being in the playoffs, the moments. Like, you know, playing in college, not never playing in the NCAA game. All my postseason stuff came in the league. So uh, even though I didn't get to uh, play in that in the, in the, in the uh, postseason, I was there. I was a part of that team and just – you know, just being there again, it was a moment. It's a great moment in time. And um, like you was talking about, it's, it's great to see the Knicks basketball getting back to that level because you want them there all the time. Like I said, those are one of the best places to play in the world is the Mecca basketball. You need to have them there. I think it's important to the league. I think it's important to the game for New York to have a team that can be represented in the postseason where they can make some noise and, you know, create that buzz. Because, I mean, you go back and look at the old games. They were in the garden. All the games that people talk about where people score these points, these amazing games, they want to have them in the garden. You can have great games other places, but it's nothing like having a 50, 60 point game at Madison Square Garden. That's exactly. a historical moment. The whole world's going to be talking about it. Yeah. yeah. Come that, that, that's a memory <laughs> that lasts if you can come to the garden and, and light it up. JYD, you didn't disappoint again. One of your former teammates comes through for us, hanging out with Moochie Norris this week. Ain't nothing like the dog pound, man. I'm trying to tell you, Sal. All day long. We like, I know. I, hey, 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 Mooch, he's trying to get this steak dinner up off me, right? We got this, <laughs> we got this pack. We got this pack going on. Jake, Jake is quiet too, right? We had his pack. If if the Knicks make the, you know, if they get close, even get close to the playoffs, they don't necessarily have 30 to make it. 30 wins. 30 wins, man. 30 wins. I they, they, they win, hey, man. hey, hey, I think they make I'm it. taking them to our spot. It. I'm taking them to Sizzler. I think they make it, man. They got the right coach to be pushing them. I think they make it. I think they make it. I think so, too, man. Tibbs has got them rocking and rolling, yeah, man. Tibbs They're got them playing great. at another level, man. Man, Julius Randle the other night. Oh, my God. Defense in the park. Let's go. You not you don't want to sit down for twenty games. You you know you lose, you go home. It's di- it's different on the streets. Yeah, they got that right kind of. They got the right crew of guys, man. They got a, a coach that demands that toughness on both sides of the ball, especially the defensive end. So I think he got the right right core young guys. Like you said, you miss uh, mix Austin Rivers in there. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting going down the stretch. Remember, they're on the East, so they're gonna have a chance at it. And guys, before Moochie goes, he posts these infamous workouts, the Moochie Norris workouts to Instagram. We got to hear about your workouts because I know I could lose a couple pounds in 2021. Uh, what's a Moochie Norris workout look like? It, it's it's a workout. It, it ain't for the it ain't it ain't for the week. If you come in there with you better come in there to work, and that's why I call it the kitchen. You got to come in there and cook. I mean, it's it's great, man. I just have an opportunity to give back. Like I said, it's 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 an opportunity to teach the kids and and keep the purity of the game. What it what it is to me mentally and what how I grew up and stuff like that. So I have an opportunity to work with. You know, guys playing overseas, a few pros here and there. My younger crew, my younger guys are, uh, and girls, they are, they're good. I got some kids going Division One. So, actually, I got a girl going to Syracuse. She'll be up in the New York area, so you'll, you'll see her. I'm, I'm going to keep going to hush, but you'll see her. And then I actually had the opportunity to work with uh, three of Shaq's kids. Whoa, yeah. nice. So I got, three I got of the them. girls in there. It's an, you know, it's a great opportunity, man. So, I, I feel like I'm doing something right in there that people want to come work out with me and they enjoy just – getting better at the game. Not all about winning and losing for me. For them, it's, it's 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 about them getting better and going through what me and Jerome went through, learning the game, the process. And then when you get to that point when the wins and losses matter, then you can take it from there. Hey, and Jake, let me, let me just break down the kitchen for you, right? The reason why it's the kitchen 
is because compared to other trainers, right? There's a whole rack of them out here from YouTube. You know, they could be the God's greatest trainer telling you how they're going to help you make it to the NBA. This is an NBA league journeyman, right? That's called it the kitchen because he comes to the table with an appetizer first, right? The appetizer served, then the salad, right? The salad comes after the appetizer. Then after he's kind of warmed up your intestines, he gives you the full course meal. But that's not where it ends, right? That ain't over. That You think you're done? No, you're at the Moochie Norris kitchen. That's when he goes back and comes out the kitchen with this superb dessert. It's just going just gonna to just end your night. It's going to end it. But it's not over. Even though these are kids, some of them young adults, it's like that dessert drink afterwards just to just really just, I mean, just put you to sleep. He's going to put you to sleep. That's the Moochie Norris kitchen. Dog Pound said it. Junkyard dog. <laughs> All you fans out there. Make sure you look up Moochie Norris on Instagram. Get on the gram. Make sure you get one of his workouts if you really bout it, bout it. I'm exhausted just hearing about it. I mean, geez, I'm hungry. (laughs) You will be hungry afterward. That's why it's called the kitchen, because you go to a kitchen when it's over. Moochie, we appreciate your time. Great stuff. I, I love yeah, I love hearing the old stores gonna go back and watch that game against Colby at Rucker, but just you two playing together and having fun and good luck with all the workouts and everything that you have now going on with the TBL as well. We appreciate the few. I minutes. truly appreciate it. Truly appreciate it. Here they are. That does it for us for episode 27 of Big Apple Buckets, our Knicks podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Alex Camerata for producing the show. Subscribe to Big Apple Buckets on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us, I'm begging you, give us a five-star rating and write a nice review. It helps. For Jerome Williams, the Junkyard Dog, I'm Sal Licata. We'll chat to you fine folks next Tuesday. Happy New Year. Stay safe and go Knicks! Ha 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 ha!